Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Well, hey, good morning, Rescue Church. I want to say welcome to each and every one of you in all of our different locations. It's great having you today. Hey, I hope that your 2018, as we are now one week into this new year, I hope it's going well. Um, Before I start preaching this morning, I do want to just remind our church, last Sunday, uh, December 31st, it was last year, 2017, this is so last year, um, we we had a really important message, but the bad news is it was a holiday weekend, and it was like negative 49 degrees or some ridiculous thing like that, so our our numbers were down a little bit, and chances are you might have missed that message last Sunday. So here's what I want you to know, is that we had a message very important. We called it, Let's Read the Bible Together. And last week, I encouraged our church family in 2018, we're going to do just that. We're going to read through Scripture together. And we told you in that message how to go to our website, how to click the link to get the the reading plan that we're all doing. And so here's my hope. My hope is that you heard that message and that you have had a week of being in God's Word every single day. But if you missed it, I want to challenge you, go back and listen to the message, and more importantly, get that Bible reading plan downloaded on your smartphone, your tablet, whatever. If you're old school and don't want to mess with the internet and the app and the smartphone and all that, we've got the Bible plan for the month of January printed out on old-fashioned paper. It's in all of our campuses, and I would challenge you, pick it up and get after it. Like, you've not missed too much. We're only a week into this. You can get caught back up. It has been an awesome week, though, to just be reading the Bible with people from our church. And and there's a place, if you're doing it on the app, where every day you can kind of give some insight and some feedback into how, you know, God spoke to you from that. So anyway, I just want to remind you, we're reading the Bible uh, this week, or this year, and this past week for my own self personally. I'm not just saying this, this, this is the honest truth. God has really spoken to me just on some personal levels in my life, and it's been an encouraging week being in the Word of God. So get in the Bible in 2018, and and I would love to have you join the rest of our church family as we read through the Bible together in its entirety in 2018. All right, so just a quick little commercial for that before we get into our message today. I want to start with a quick question by show of hands. How many of you are hungry right now? Let me see your hands. Get them up. Who's hungry? Okay, I've got some really good news for you. You ready? I brought food. I brought food, and I'm willing to share. Okay, you want to know what's on the menu today? Check it out. I've got five loaves of bread, five small loaves of bread, not bad. And I have got two small fish. These are actually sardines, and I know it's hard to believe it just looks like a bunch of fish guts, but people actually eat this stuff in little cans. And so this is what I brought for lunch today, and I've got enough to go around, because here's what we can do. Uh, I know this doesn't look like a lot of food, but I actually have the ability to start breaking pieces off of this, and I can multiply this to where we can feed beyond the number of people that are gathered in our church. We have enough food for everybody that's watching online and probably their friends. You can eat until you're full. I'll just keep breaking off more until you've had enough. And when it's all said and done, I'll just predict, like we'll we'll collect all the leftovers and probably have about 12 baskets full of leftovers in case you want a second on this meal. Who's interested? Anybody? 
Well, the truth is, I actually can't do that, and the truth is, you probably don't want to eat, well, the bread you might take, but only about two people in our church that I know of actually eat sardines. But um, anyway, here's the thing. In our time together this morning, that's exactly the story we're going to see play out as we jump back into the book of John. We've been going through the book of John together. We took a little break for a few weeks as we were in our Christmas series, but now we're going to roll up our sleeves and jump back in this book the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we're just going through it, not really verse by verse, but kind of chunk by chunk, if you will, story by story, and we're just uncovering all kinds of amazing truth about who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our life as we read through the book of John. So today, that story that I just described that I am not capable of doing, we're going to see Jesus do exactly that. Um, so here's what I want to do. We're going we're gonna to read this story in its entirety. A lot of times when I preach, I like to kind of read through slowly, little by little, and we'll stop along the way. Today, I'm going to throw you a curveball, and we're going to read 21 verses together, like in its entirety, and then I'll go back and kind of point out some things that really stood out to me that I want to point out to you and some, some lessons, some takeaways from this. But I'm in John chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles and want to join me in John chapter 6, we're going to learn how little becomes much when we put it in the hands of Jesus. Okay, that's what we're going to see in this story today from John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Just sit back, put your pins down. Get the Word of God in front of you. This is going to take just a few minutes to get through this. And just let God's Word speak to you. This is not, thus says John, what I'm getting ready to share with you. This is, thus says the Lord. This is God's Word to you for your life today. Okay? Here we go. John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. God's Word says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? I love this. Pay attention to this. He he asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Just a quick, I'll pause, just briefly. 5,000 men, that means there were believably, probably almost that many women and more children. So when we talk about Jesus feeding 5,000, he probably fed more like 10 to 13 to 14,000 people. This is a massive crowd of people that are gathered. 5,000 men. They're all getting seated, okay? Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, they were full, right? He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. 
Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got in a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Okay, just take a deep breath for a moment. We just read 21 verses in John. An amazing account, a real story that happened in real human history, surrounded by all kinds of eyewitnesses who saw this happen, who were a part of it. Here's here's kind of the context. Jesus, by the way, we know from a couple of the other gospel accounts, his disciples had just returned from being out kind of on a big missions trip, if you will. He had sent them out to do ministry. They all came back excited about the things they were able to do and see and how God had worked through their lives. And Jesus is wanting to get his disciples alone, probably just for a time of rest and debriefing and, you know, kind of hashing it all out together. So he takes them to this remote place, this solitary place, and yet the crowds find Jesus. I mean, this is, this is the, the part of Jesus' ministry where he's really beginning to, his name is getting out there. Because we read about it, because of the signs and wonders, because of the people that he was healing, Like everywhere he went, he drew crowds to himself. People wanted to come and see these miracles take place. People wanted to come and be healed of diseases and illness. So here's Jesus trying to have a moment of relaxation and rest with his disciples, and yet the crowds find out where he's at, and all these people start coming to Jesus. And that leads me to the first thing I just want to share with you. I hope that this is an encouragement to some today. If you've got your pen, and if you've got your handouts, if you're following along with me, here's the first simple thought, a simple truth from this story that I want to share with you, and I would ask you to write this down. Number one, Jesus cares about my needs. This is not just some story that's written thousands of years ago about something that happened, you know, that has no bearing on our lives today. This is God's word for you and for me today. And what you need to know, first things first in this story, is that Jesus cares about my needs and he cares about your needs. You say, John, where do you get that in the story? Well, let's think about it. Jesus was trying to get some rest with his disciples and be alone in a quiet place, and all these people found him. And rather than Jesus responding to these people, like, hey, I'm busy, can't you see that? Everywhere I go, people want something from me. It's gimme, gimme, gimme. I just want a few moments with my 12 closest friends. Can you all just, the office is closed. Come back tomorrow. He doesn't respond that way. Instead, he welcomes them into his presence, and he notices these people are going to want to eat. They're going to be hungry. And he cared. He knows your needs right now. And he cares. 
If you want, you can jot down on your notes this scripture reference. We're not going to look at it, but you could go look at it on your own. It's in Matthew chapter 6. I think it's like verses 25 through 34 or something like that. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking about the subject of worry. And he's basically telling us, you know, what, what good is worrying? How many of you can even add a single hour to your life by worrying about stuff that's happening tomorrow? What are you going to eat? What are you going to wear? And then he points to some of the smallest creatures in all of God's created universe. He's like, look at the birds of the air, these little sparrows. You don't see them worrying about where their next meal's coming from tomorrow, and yet the Father who created them, He knows their need and He takes care of them. And if the Father knows enough to, to, to care about and notice the needs of these little sparrows, how much more does He care about your life and about your needs? I hope that's an encouragement to someone here today that you've been wrestling with some stuff in your life and here's the thing, I know from my own experience, maybe you've never felt this way, but I'll just share from my own experience, sometimes when I'm going through a difficult season, when I'm going through a period where I feel like there's stuff in my life I need, there's times where I'm tempted to believe that God either doesn't know what I need or he doesn't care. Because sometimes he seems distant, and it seems like if he cares or knows about my need, it'd sure be cool if he stepped into my life and showed me because I'm not seeing it. And so I do want to acknowledge that there's times in our journey with Christ where we do need to rely on faith because the promises we see in Scripture are, are, are kind of different than what we see in reality with our own physical eyes. Sometimes there's that gap between what we see and experience versus what God has said to be true in His Word. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going through something in your life this morning, there is a God in heaven who sees it and He cares. Jesus saw these people coming to Him. He welcomed them into His presence. And He cared as about a need as small as their physical hunger. Just a meal. They're going to be hungry. That's the first thing I want to share with you. Secondly, I just want to point this out to you. Jesus invites me to care about and engage the needs of others. Not only does he know and care about my needs, he's also going to invite me to care about the needs of other people around me and, and go beyond just caring. He's going to invite me to consider what I could do about it. You said, John, where, where do you get that in the story? Well, I want to go back to that part. Remember where Jesus turns to Philip, and he asks Philip, Hey, Philip, where are we going to buy food for all these people? There's 5,000 men and probably twice as many women and children. Where are we going to get food for all these people? Now, by the way, I love the part where it says he was only asking Philip this question to test him because he already had in mind what he was going to do. See, that's where I'm telling you, like, faith is required, but God already has in mind what he's going to do to meet your need. He already has in mind how the relief is on its way, how the provision, how the healing, it's on its way. He knows what he's going to do. But sometimes he lets us live in that tension. And so he turns to Philip and he's like, hey, Philip, where are we going to find bread for all of these people? I love that question. He's inviting Philip to feel the need, and to care. And more than that, he's kind of letting Philip, Philip take some ownership on what am I going to do about it. 
Now, I, I got to show you something. I want to point this out from this story. Notice that we saw two different responses to this question when Jesus is kind of posing this to his disciples like, hey, there's all these people. They're probably going to be hungry. What are we going to do about it? I want you to notice, first of all, Philip's response. Remember what he said? His response was kind of one of despair. <laughs> he was like, Lord, eight months' wages wouldn't even be enough to get these people a mere morsel of food. Basically, Philip is responding with this idea of, it's hopeless. There's nothing I can do about it. This is so much beyond my control. It's so big. By the way, can I just ask this question? Have you ever looked out into our world at the needs and just felt like Philip, completely overwhelmed? Like, this problem is so much bigger than me. I can't solve world hunger. I can't solve the crisis that constantly seems to be happening around the globe where people and nations want to physically destroy each other and go to war with each other. I see the problem. I hear people talk about it. It's, it's bigger than me. There's nothing I can do. It's hopeless. Man, my heart breaks as I hear stories about these children getting caught up in the sex trade industry kidnapped from all over the place, and not just in other countries, right here in the United States of America, right under our noses. The problem is so big, and I'm so small. And you know what? That's true. The problem is so big, and we are so small and so limited. And yet Jesus lets us wrestle with the question, what are we going to do about it? Have you seen this problem? Have you seen these hungry people? What, what can we do? And Philip's response, I get it. Like, it, it, some of us would say it was a realistic response. By the way, I've run the numbers on that just with like a median household income in our day and age right now. And, and I think Philip was absolutely right. To feed a group of people this big, it literally would probably take an average person with an average salary about eight months of their income to meet that one need. And that's just for lunch. We haven't even gone beyond supper and breakfast tomorrow. Like, this is a serious need. And Philip was not lying when he said, it's going to take eight months wages to, to pay for that much food for all these people. He was completely overwhelmed. There's really nothing I can do. It's bigger than me. But did you notice Andrew's response? Andrew, another one of Jesus' disciples, is basically like, responding essentially with this mindset of, I'll do what I can do, and then I'm going to have to trust Jesus to do what he can do. Because remember in the story, we read the part where Andrew came to Jesus and he said, hey, I found this boy, <laughs> and here's what he's got for lunch. He's got five small loaves, and I, I think it's interesting, Scripture calls them small, and he's got five or two small fish. I hope they look better than these fish. I'm just telling you, hey, parents, side note for those of us parents who have picky eaters, next time your son or daughter who's a picky eater is trying to tell you why they can't eat the macaroni and cheese because it's too spicy, just throw this in front of them and be like, hey, some mom about 2,000 some years ago packed this as a lunch for her boy. So you want this or you want that spicy macaroni and cheese? Anyway, I've, I've got a picky eater. So I'm just like, Andrew comes to Jesus and he's like, I've got this boy and here's his lunch. Five loaves of bread and two small fish. Now, let's just, let's just breathe this in for a moment. This resource, in light of the need, is almost laughable. 
the thought that Andrew would even come with a straight face and be like, well, hey, Jesus, I know there's about 12,000, 13,000 people out there. Here's what we got. But what I want you to notice is that Andrew made his resources available. And I don't know how much credit we give to Andrew, how much credit we give to the little boy for being willing to give up his lunch. But what I want you to notice, first and foremost, is that Jesus is going to invite me to care about the needs of others and then to do something about it. And understand that my response, my ability is going to be so limited. Like, I can't fix all of these problems in the world. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I don't have supernatural power. I am very limited in what I have and what my abilities are. But here's the third and final thing I want to point out from the story if you want to write this down. Number three, my limited abilities are multiplied in the hands of Christ. Philip is like, it's impossible. Nothing I can do about it. The need's way bigger than me. I don't have eight months' wages sitting aside. You know, even if I could do it, I can't. Like, it's just too big. It's too big. Andrew says, yeah, the need is huge, and here's my resources. This is all I've got. Jesus, what can you do with this? And he put his limited resources in the hands of Jesus, and he was about to find out that little becomes much when we put it in God's hands. When we make our resources available to a limitless God who really doesn't need our five small loaves and our two small fish. He doesn't need any of it. But when we put it in his hands, he has the ability to multiply it and bless it. Now, I want to share something with you. I, this, is, this is thus says John. I can't find a verse in the Bible that says this, so I'm being clear, okay? This is not thus says the Lord, it's thus says John. I believe God can bless whatever he jolly well pleases because he's God and, and he, he can do whatever he wants. So he can bless whatever he wants to bless. But I believe that so often God chooses to only bless that which is placed in his hands. And let me bring this down to where we're living right now today as we're kicking off a brand new year in 2018. I believe I'm speaking to men and women in the rescue church that you are struggling in your life financially to make ends meet. You're struggling to make your limited resources go the distance. And you're believing a lie that says, if I give of what I have to the Lord, if I put it in his hands, that's going to mean less for me. So I'm going to keep struggling to get by, keeping 100% of what God has put into my hands. I'm not going to put it back into his hands. And you are experiencing a lack of God's blessing in your finances because you're believing the lie that says, I can do better when I keep it all for myself. I think this story tells us that when we put our limited resources in God's hands, he can multiply them in ways that completely blow our minds. Now let me be clear. I'm not saying that we should treat God like a cosmic slot machine where we say, okay, God, I'm going to give you $100 and expect $1,000 in return. That's not what I'm teaching. But I'm teaching, I'm speaking to people that we claim with our lips that God is sovereign and he has ownership over all of our life and we follow him and he's our Lord and our Savior and our authority. And yet when it comes to what we do with the resources he's put in our hands, we tell a completely different story. We don't give jack of that back to the Lord. I'm speaking to Christians today that don't tithe. 
And some of you are like, Pastor John, how did you find a way to work tithing into this story? I'll just tell you, I'll find a way to work tithing into any scripture. Okay, but seriously, I'm speaking to men and women who are living outside of the blessing of God on your finances because you have not put your finances into God's hands. You know, I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing for this, just looking back over the 21 years that Jessica and I have been married. And man, I look back to our first year of marriage. Our total combined income when we had started was well below the poverty line at that time. Like, we started with nothing financially. We were just two young kids, broke, but in deep, deep love. And, and here's what I can tell you. As I look at where we've been over our 21 years, and I look at our finances, and I look at the rich experiences and, that God has allowed us to have and the places we've been able to go and the things we've been able to do, I'm just telling you, I cannot, with a calculator and a pen and pencil, go, yep, I planned all this out. Like, this all makes sense. Can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is that somewhere early in our journey, we made a decision to honor God with our wealth and to put our wealth in his hands and as best we can acknowledge his ownership over our lives by demonstrating that, Lord, we will return the first fruits back to your house. Like we believe you've commanded us to do in scripture. And what I can tell you is this. I don't take credit for where I'm at financially right now. I say the Lord has taken my limited means and he's multiplied them in ways that I don't even understand. Can I just make a confession to you? Sometimes, like, you all know this. If you've been coming to our church for a while, you probably noticed that John has some phrases he says. He, he sometimes says a, a lot of similar things. And so, like, I'll give you an example of one. I hear myself saying this often when it comes time to worship the Lord with an offering. Um, in our church, I often hear myself as I'm praying and asking God to bless our offering, I, I often hear myself asking God to take our limited means, our limited ability, our limited resources, and multiply them. And can I just make a confession? There's times I feel foolish saying that. Because I kind of put myself in the seat of someone who's listening from the first time, or maybe someone who's watching online, and you know they're, they're not into the Jesus thing, and, and they already have this misconception that all the church wants is my money, and, and, and all of that. And so I kind of feel foolish sometimes praying that prayer because I kind of feel like, you know, are people going to just think that's some manipulative thing or how silly is that really to believe that we put something into God's hands and he multiplies it really? But then when I come to a story like this, I'm reminded that those are not just empty words. This is reality. When I take my limited means and I put it in the hands of my Savior, it honestly can become limitless. Because I've just put it in the hands of a limitless God who can multiply our small, meager resources and make it go way further than what we ever thought possible. And I believe, I'm just being honest with you, I believe one of the reasons that churches and ours is not immune from it, I believe one of the reasons churches struggle financially is because the majority of God's people are believing the lie that they can do better if they just keep it all in their hands. And if they would just believe God and trust God and put it into his hands, we would be amazed at how he could multiply that to where everyone is full, to where there's no needs going unmet and there's abundant leftovers. But you got to believe it. You got to take obedient faith action on that. 
And, and let's, let's move beyond just finances, because this isn't just a message about finances. I'm speaking to people this morning in the Rescue Church that, that you're going through life tired, and you're weary, and you're worn out because you've been trying to do it all in and of your own strength. You've been solely relying on yourself. You know what? We're trying to read through the Bible together as a church this year. So let me plug that in. If this is what it looks like when you get up and you're in such a hurry and you're so busy, you've got so much to do that you don't even have time to, to, to set aside a little time to connect with the God who created you because you're so busy. That's what it looks like to rely on yourself. When you put yourself in God's hands... He can multiply your abilities and your strength. He can make more happen in less time when you make yourself available to him. You stop trying so hard in and of yourself and you say, Lord, my life belongs to you. It's all in your hands. And now that it's in your hands, I'm trusting you to make it go way farther than I ever could on my own. Little as much when we put it in the hands of our Savior. So, I've got a couple questions for you. I'm about done preaching, and, and we're going to pause the story here, and we're going to see next week how the crowd responds in the morning when they wake up, and the fish buffet has been closed down. We'll, we'll pick up the story next Sunday, okay? So I'll invite you back for that. But today, I've just got a couple questions I want to challenge God's people with here today. Number one, here's my question. Have you made yourself available to Christ? I'm talking not just your money, I'm talking your entire life, like all of who you are. Have you put yourself in God's hands and said, Lord, I'm available to you? You say, John, what does that look like? What does that even mean? Well, let me suggest it starts when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, where you put your faith and trust in him to be your Lord and Savior. That's where the journey begins. It begins when you surrender your will, your dream, your desires, your agenda before the authority of Jesus Christ. And his kingdom, you say, Lord, it's about you, it's for you, it always has been. I accept you to be my Lord and Savior. I need you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. It starts there, but then Christians, for those of you that would say, Pastor John, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm just saying it is a day-to-day, literally a moment-by-moment decision to follow him, to surrender to him. To give myself to him. It's not my life to live. I'm putting my life, my future, my family, my career, my dreams, my desires. I'm putting them into the hands of my Savior. I'm making myself completely available to him because I belong to him. My money is his. My skills, my talents, my abilities, it all belongs to him. And he gets to use it however he sees fit. The cool part about that is when we do that, He can take our limited means and abilities and he can multiply them to accomplish far greater things than we ever thought possible. Question, have you made yourself available to Christ? And then, here's my last question and then we're going to close in prayer. I want to go back to that theme that we talked about, about noticing and caring about and engaging the needs of other people right here in our church in the community in which you live, in our nation, in our world? Have you, are you noticing and caring about and engaging the needs of others? This past week I had a really cool conversation with just regular, ordinary people in this church that are waking up to this reality of, man, God has put some stuff in my life specifically to reach people that no one else in our church is equipped to reach, but I am. 
And I'm going to do it. It's, it's so awesome to see people coming awake and coming alive to that purpose where they look out into our world and go, man, there's needs, and I can't fix all of it, but I can do something. And when I make that available to Christ, when I put my resources in his hands, he can make it go way farther. What does that look like in your life this past week, this past month? Are you noticing? Are you caring? Are you doing something about the needs of others? I don't know what God wants to do with that in your heart, in your life, but this is God's word for us today. This is not some old-fashioned story. This is God wanting to speak his truth into your life and my life today. And now we have an opportunity to respond and do something about it. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer before we are dismissed today. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this amazing account that I believe with all my heart is 100% historically accurate. There was a person who walked this earth named Jesus. And at one time in human history, he actually fed thousands of people where he multiplied just a limited, small amount of food. Lord, I pray today you would help us to see that this story is about so much more than just one group of people getting one meal. This is about us learning that there's a God in heaven who cares about our needs and he cares about the needs of others. And Lord, you invite us to engage those needs, to see how we can play some small part. And when we make ourselves available to you, you can multiply our talents, our skills, our abilities, our resources, far beyond anything we ever were capable of in and of ourselves. God, I pray that that would be the story of the Rescue Church. I pray that we would be men and women who know you as our Lord and Savior. So first and foremost, God, if there's anyone here today who's never trusted Christ as Savior, I pray that today is the day they do that. They begin that faith journey with Jesus. Lord, I pray we are a church full of men and women who not only know Jesus, but we're following him. We're growing in our relationship with him, and we're going out into our world and meeting people right where they're at and using our limited abilities and resources, putting them in the hands of a limitless God and watching you do unbelievable things, miraculous things in our midst today. Lord, I just pray that you'd continue to build this church through those kinds of people. Whatever it is you need to do in our hearts today, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to speak to the hearts of your people. We love you. We worship you. We honor you as our Lord, as our Savior, as our King. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.